ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhind, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 Purpose Girls. So I've been very honest here about my fertility journey. Something I haven't talked about is that a few months ago, Josh and I decided to see a fertility doctor. And we left that appointment so excited. We finally had a path. We had a route. We were like on it. We were asking how soon we could start. And then the paperwork went off to the side when we went back to our office, back to work. And then it was New Year and we were super excited about New Year for Purpose Girl and all the plans and me writing my books and creating a big event for you guys and the retreats that we were going to do. And then it was another month, and then it was another month, and then it was another month, and I realized that six months had passed, where I was focusing on what was in front of me, maybe what was comfortable in terms of work, because I am a recovering workaholic, because I love my work, right? What I had not been focusing on was necessarily this thing that was so meaningful to me, of pursuing becoming a mother. And rather than beat myself up over it, I took a step back and I said, this is what happens to all of us, right? How many of us get wrapped up into what is right in front of us or what we think is urgent, what we think has to be done now, instead of really saying what matters most to me? And if I look ahead five years from now, what will I be most upset that I didn't spend time on? And it's probably this. Not that I didn't spend time on more email or that I didn't spend time on creating another program because all of that will happen. But given my age, this is the time for me to work on being a mom. And so it really got me thinking about this time situation, right? We ask everybody, how are you? And they all answer, I'm so busy. And that is not how we are going to become our happiest selves. So my guest today is the absolute expert in helping us to utilize time in a way that's meaningful and that will make us happier. She is soul sister, dear friend, colleague, mentor of mine, Valerie Burton. She's a best-selling author and founder of the Coaching and Positive Psychology Institute called CAP. Valerie has served clients in over 40 states and 10 countries. She has written 12 books on personal development, including Successful Women Think Differently, What's Really Holding You Back, And her latest book that's coming up, It's About Time. She's a frequent guest expert for The Today Show, CNN, Dr. Oz, Oprah Magazine, NPR, Essence, and many more. She's spoken for hundreds of organizations, including GE, McDonald's, BorgWarner, Coca-Cola, and the U.S. military. Valerie has her master's degree in applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania, Like I do, she has another master's degree in journalism because she's a total overachiever and uh, from from Florida A&M University, a BA from Florida State University. She has over 50,000 subscribers to her weekly e-newsletter. And I can say from 
the bottom of my heart and soul and every cell in my body that Valerie is a genuine, kind, inspiring, loving friend and human. And I am beyond honored that Val, you are joining us on the Purpose Girl podcast. Welcome. Hey, Karen. Thank you for that. Mm, wow. It's my honor. Yeah. Girl, you have taught me so much. I mean, your books, everyone, we we will have several of her in the show notes, several of her books go link to. And of course, her newest book we're going to talk about. Val, your most recent book, It's About Time, really highlights we got a time situation going on. Yeah. What is happening? Why is everyone so gosh darn busy, Ugh. yet not happy? <laughs> there are so many reasons, but I think one of the biggest is that we feel like things are urgent that are not. There are a lot of false urgencies. There, there's a lot pulling at us. We have more information coming at us than any people who've ever lived on the face of the planet. And so oftentimes what's happening is, as you were just talking about your fertility journey, when there's a lot in front of you, it's oftentimes we treat things as equal that really are not equal. And so we'll spend time on something because it's right there, because it's calling for attention, because there's an ad that popped up that matches perfectly with what we just clicked on last week that we liked, that we ignore. Well, wait, how did they know I wanted that dress? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that we ignore yes. the thing that actually is meaningful or, or we act as though those two things are equal. And so now I'm spending mm -hmm. time on something that wasn't even on my list. It's not a priority. And I'm missing out on the thing that's actually, truly meaningful. Right, right. And this happens as you are talking and as I read your book, which is so good, by the way. Thank you. I mean, I, I know it's, your book is just so thought provoking and every story that's in it just spoke to me. I said, oh yeah, that's me. Oh, yep. I do that too. You know, and because just realizing where am I spending my time? And it's something that Josh and I talk a lot about with our work is how much time we goes into just reading emails as opposed to even the larger vision and ideas and projects that we want to work on, yeah. right? And so, and that's, I don't even have kids yet. You know, you have three <laughs> and, and a thriving business and writing books. And and so I got the privilege, obviously you and I are friends, so I know, and I was with you throughout, you know, your journey writing this book, but I'd love for everyone to hear from you what led you to write a book about time? Because oh. your other books are about being a successful woman, being a happy woman, positive psychology. So share with us what, what that journey was. Well, my mission is inspiring women, especially to live more fulfilling lives. And I do that through writing and speaking. So I see this as a part of it. You know, the subtitle of the book is the art of choosing the meaningful over the urgent and the meaningful gives us a more fulfilling life. I have always struggled with time and there are a lot of different ways it has shown up in my life. So it, from the time I can remember, my mother put me in school early. So I was a year younger than everyone else in my uh, classes all the way up through high school. And then I got to college and this sense of uh, failure because my first year of college, I did so horribly. I spent the rest of it racing through because I thought if I can finish fast, I'm still smart. Um, so I had, yeah. I had that thing of always being the youngest, always being the fastest and being praised for that. Then on the mm -hmm. opposite end of that, I, I got married the first time at 30 
And so to some people that seems late, although that's a silly idea <laughs> looking back on it, but I, um, I felt, <laughs> I felt pressure, you know, in my late twenties. Mm -hmm. oh. right. And, and then I found myself, even though my dream was happy marriage and motherhood, I found myself at 36 going through divorce and not having children and really needing to start my life over. So here I went from being the youngest and the fastest and the first in many ways to getting to my late thirties and feeling like, I had missed the boat on dreams that I had. And then I had mm. always struggled with procrastination, waiting until the last minute. And my sense of optimism uh, often had me packing more into my schedule than I could handle. And my husband and I got to a point where we just realized, and it was really a, a moment I talk about in the introduction of the book, where I took a trip that I in retrospect, should have said no to. And even though I had tried to say no to it, someone had convinced me otherwise, and I had said yes. And I ended up getting stuck <laughs> trying to get back out. Yeah. And, and I didn't get there to the next day. And my husband left on a trip before then we had to coordinate around the kids and all of that. And I'm like, why mm. am I even where I am? And I had a conversation with my husband where we were like, we don't have enough margin in our lives. We don't have enough breathing room. And I had been mm. thinking about what am I supposed to write next? And I realized you need to work through this issue you have with time, the difficulties you have saying no, the insecurities that lead you to overachieve and be over-responsible doing things that you don't need to be doing. And in that process, you need to help other people who are dealing mm. with not only some of these just things that for me were natural to me, but also these cultural shifts that have happened that make it even harder. All of the distractions, all of the heightened expectations because we can do so much more in less time. It was like all of those yes. things converged to create a storm for me. And I thought, now that I finally have everything I said I wanted, a wonderful mm. husband, a great marriage, our children, I feel like, I don't have time for the life that I created that I said I really, really wanted. And I need to figure this out because time passes too quickly. And I don't, you know, I don't want my kids to suddenly be 25 and I'm like, you know what I meant to do <laughs> when you were growing up? <laughs> so that yeah. was the, the impetus for this was me wanting to change my own life and in the process saying, how could I perhaps share some of this in a vulnerable way, backed up by research, talking about the meat, you know, just meaning in life? How could I help someone else? Mm, mm, this is so beautiful and so important, Val. I was speaking at a conference of lawyers a couple of years ago, and I was talking about this idea of being present and engaged. And a woman went, oh, you know, it was like 200 women, but one of them in like the front row made a noise. <laughs> So I paused, you know, and she just decided to share. She said, I was with my daughter in the bath last night. The daughter was in the bath and I was looking at my cell phone the whole time, mm -hmm. reading emails. And listen, I have been that, right? I, I can admit that, you know, just a few days ago, Josh and I were talking about something. I can't even tell you what. And I just picked up my phone to look at Facebook. Like I didn't, it wasn't even something that was like important, right? It was more reflex, right? Because the little ding came up that I had some message. You had a notification. And so, 
I had a notification, right? You talk about in your in your book how the gives us the dopamine surge and how yes. we want it. You know, it makes us it makes us want that. So, do you notice that this issue with time is it everybody? Is it a gender issue? Is this happening more with women? What what do you notice here? There would be very few people who are not impacted by the culture that we live in and how yeah. it has changed us with time. If you look at the history of technology and how we were living, let's say 200 years ago, where everything was really governed by nature, right? I mm. mean, you'd had no electricity. Everything was about, you know, when do you plant and when do you sow? Um, you know, mm. if you wanted to travel, it was how far could you walk or how far can your animals go? And you can only go so far because you know what? They got to eat and they got to mm. get rest. And so do you, right? When everything mm -hmm. became uh, industrialized and precise, um, suddenly our, our sense of time changed in such a way that it really was about business. It was really about needing to be a certain place at a certain time. And we adjusted completely to that. And then as we got more and more technology, it's very interesting. Um, I mentioned in the book, John Maynard Keynes, who was the foremost economist in the 1930s. And he predicted that our generation, like his generation's grandchildren, would work about three hours a day if they wanted to, because so much of the technology was saving time, right? We got mm -hmm. washing machines and electric <laughs> irons, <laughs> right? And Microwaves to make dinner. And refrigerators and, yeah. you know, and, it, yeah. and so we, all, we always, and this is how products are marketed to us. It's going to save us time. Mm -hmm. But what we do is we just stuff more into the time that we have. And right. so we, we fill it, we fill it. And so our expectations continually are rising about what we are able to do. And so, you know, when you say, oh, I just picked up Facebook to look for no reason. Look, not only is it these cultural issues, but it's also the fact that we are wired in a certain way. The human mm -hmm. brain craves information. Human beings wanted information in a primitive sense because information helps you to survive. If I know what's going on in my environment, I can protect myself. And so if we really think about the amount of information we have access to, yeah, that that causes a dopamine surge. We get this little boost of energy. And in addition to that, the person who has the most information actually becomes a leader in a group. This is also kind of a primitive instinct. You you want to be that person that has more information because it gives you a higher social status. So a lot of times right. we don't even understand the cravings that we have and we have to be very intentional about being able to curb those cravings because it's not a natural thing for us to do. Right, right. It's natural to want to be known and loved and belong. So I want to be the one with information. It's natural. It's like a little bit of candy, right? Yeah. When yeah. the ding goes off, for me, I realize it's the ding going off for a text or Facebook, whatever it is. Someone wants me. Yeah. It's someone validation. They like it's me. Validation. Literally, like, oh, they, they like, like me. <laughs> literally, right? And and when they don't actually like me, like this has been one of my journeys that I have, I have thank you, goddess, have completely shifted in the last year to not care when they don't like something I post on face on Facebook or Instagram. But this is this is at the heart. So it's human 
to want yeah. more information. It's human to want to be long and to want to be loved. And it's it's so this these are very human issues, yeah. but we've stuffed more time. When I read in your book that that prediction, as you just said, I mean, I was cracking up. I thought <laughs> if only they had known that we would be looking at our phone for email at 6.30 in the morning from bed and at 10.30 before we go to bed, yeah. right? And and so this is a, a real issue. And one of the things I find about women versus, versus men, and this is not all women versus all men, just something on average, and you do talk about this in your book, is that now one of the ways that we filled time was women going to work right in much higher numbers yes and this is the purpose girl podcast right so we encourage every woman to live her full purpose and with that then as our homes required now two incomes and the women are still carrying the majority of the mental load right right all the things that have to, the birthday gifts that have to be bought and yeah. the cereal that's out i love that example in your yeah book. the invisible so, workload or the household manager. Yeah. yeah, the social yeah, manager. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So there are so many things that for women have been advances, but they also have a lot of impact on time. So when you think about the fact that obviously there are far more women in the, the workplace, there's been a huge rise in the dual income household, household and those households make a lot more money than single person, single parent, or the, the household with one person working, the other person not. But if you're working full time, if you're just, if it's just the regular 40 hour uh, work week, that's 2,040 hours a year. Mm. That's a lot of time. And that doesn't include time commuting, getting ready for work, work that you might do uh, outside of work hours. Mm -hmm. That time was being spent doing something. And many mm. of the things it's spent doing, you still have to get done. And so there is a lot to be said for what the dual income household did. Not only that, but our economy has shifted a great deal such that the dual income household is, is a standard in many ways, um, you know, for couples. And therefore we have these expectations that debt in many ways has fueled. And so one of the things that shifted, I, you know, I mentioned the industrial revolution, but one of the things that shifted is the, the use of debt, right? And that that's how we get the things that we want, but that shift is around time being equated with money. Mm. And prior to that revolution, time really wasn't necessarily equated with money, right? You were farming and, and you got enough to live on. You were a skilled craftsman or tradesman and you sold enough so that you could make a living. And you also had your own hours. No one told you where to be when. Now suddenly you're clocking in and your time is money. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's an imposition on leisure time, right? Because <laughs> now it's like, well, I got time off, but I could be spending it. <laughs> working. I could be, I could be making more, I right? Making For people more. especially who work by be, the hour yeah. or, right. Or I could one be of my more productive me, and, and we don't really, right. some of these just simple mindsets because they're not in our lifetime, but in the span of human history, the question is, were we created to operate in this way? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't think so. What is the cost? Yeah, right. there is a huge right. cost. And so the biggest thing is just being conscious of how these shifts and changes impact you personally, and then saying, what's meaningful for me? 
What am mm. I willing to opt into as my norm? Because basically what has happened is that our norms have changed. And many of these norms are not natural. And you have to decide what's natural for you. And what that's going to require is making some decisions. And they're not easy decisions. These are decisions oftentimes that require a great deal of willpower. And we know that that is a limited resource. We use a lot more willpower today saying no. Every time you're getting that Facebook notification and you're, <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to touch my phone. No, nope, I'm not nope, going to pick up nope, my phone. Nope, right. <laughs> so, and it's hard <laughs> it to do. <laughs> right. It is hard to do because we've got the dopamine that wants it. And then willpower, you know, what we know about willpower is that we get a pool of it, right? There's like you, you wake up in the morning, you've got a fresh pool, if you will, of willpower, of energy, and so much tries to take Away, so much cat and every decision that you make, yeah. you know, learning, working all takes that that willpower, which is why we eat. You tend to go more for the candy bar at three o'clock than yeah. you do right, <laughs> earlier because you're kind of out of willpower. So, so you and your family have been doing what a year of experiments, yeah. right? And so, you know, to to be clear, we're not saying that all of you purpose girls out there should not be pursuing your purpose and working. Mm-mm. We're saying what are the things that you can do? Like reading your book, I had to acknowledge to myself because you've got this wonderful chart at the beginning of the book to look at where your time is actually going. Yes. And I have not filled it in all the way because I looked at it and I went, oh God, I really need to come back like and do this. <laughs> but I looked at the categories. How much time do I spend scrolling through social media? Yeah. Right. Like, so I hear all the time and I think myself, oh, I don't have time for that. And then it's like, but if I really looked at where I spend my time, where I spend my time, I probably have more time than I think, or at least I could notice that I'm spending time on things that do not light me up, that are not meaningful. Yes. Yes. So take us through your journey. So so you and your husband uh, sat down <laughs> after that, that conversation, you went on this trip, and what have you done? You did this chart. Tell us a little bit about your journey and you you call it experiments that you yes. guys did a bunch of experiments. Yes. This is fantastic. Yeah. So in the book, I talk about, you know, developing the temperament to experiment. And we really like the idea of experimenting because it's not about this big commitment to change. Okay. We're never going to do X, Y, Z again, or we're always going to do this now. Instead, it is saying, what could we try, whether it's for a week or for a month to see how it works, how we could do mm. things a little differently. So one of the things we did, one of the first things we did is we created a whole year calendar. And I had gotten this idea, I'd done a speaking engagement at a church in Jacksonville and the co-pastor of that church told me, you know, we do our calendar for the whole year because we've got three kids and my husband and I are traveling and we're writing books and all of this. So we put everything on the calendar for the year, we plan it out. And then we know where we have places that we could add things. We also see where we might get in trouble because we've got too much going on (laughs) in a particular period of time. It helps us with financial planning as well. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I had been at a point, and this is why we did the whole year calendar experiment, where we, it was around Memorial Day, and friends were talking about the vacations they were about to take. (laughs) <laughs> we, we didn't plan a vacation. How did it get to be the end of May? Um, and so we actually didn't have any time that summer. We mm. looked at the, we started filling in our whole year calendar and there was not one seven day period before the kids went back to school that we could take a week off. 
That was very eye-opening. So what we did is we planned yes. for the following year. We planned 13 months out. We also decided to take a little vacation um, in September that year. But the planning 13 months out led to an incredible uh, vacation um, where other members of the family decided they wanted to come too. And it was a dream vacation to Italy and to Greece. Mm-hmm. And we did a cruise and it was, you know, the kids got to be with their grandparents. And I was like, this comes from the planning. So we decided to do some planning. I decided to try an experiment where as ridiculous as this sounds, I decided to try working every other day. And I decided to try it for a month. And Mm. this stemmed from me remembering my own vision. Karen, when Mm. I was 20 years old, I recall one day I had just started journalism school and I I was pulling into my parking space at my apartment and I had this flash of inspiration. It was, you're going to be an author. And I had no idea what kind of author. Was I writing novels? Was I, what was was I writing? But there's comic books. What is that? (laughs) What am I writing? (laughs) But I remembered my 20 year old self saying, I want a career Mm. and I want a family. And I'm not sure how I'm going to do that and climb the corporate ladder, but I love writing and maybe I could use my writing gift and still have a career, but I would have control of my schedule because I would have my own business. Wow. Your 20-year-old self was wise. But then when I got to be at the point where, you know, I, I married my husband at 40, I was almost turning 41. Mm-hmm. I immediately became bonus mom to Sophie and Addie. And then Alex came along, we adopted him. And so... Um, Suddenly I had everything I had been aiming for and it had been more than 20 years since that vision. And then suddenly I I was acting as though I had the corporate job that I had to be there at eight. I couldn't leave till five. I was like, well, what was the point of all this? You said you wanted to do this in large part because you wanted to control the schedule. So control the schedule. So try it. <laughs> right. Right. It's like saying to yourself, you are your, because Val, Val has her own company. And so it's like, you have your own, your own company. You can you're the boss, you can set the hours. So you decided to go every other day. That sounds like terrifying and wonderful. Well, I did it and um, nothing fell apart. And in fact, we had our best year to date um, (laughs) when I was there and, and my team stepped up in ways they had not stepped up before. And I was more productive on the days I was working because I knew in order to get the next day off, I was going to have to get a lot done. So I wasted a lot less time. So that experiment went on for a whole year because after the month, I was like, well, this is really great and nothing's falling apart and I'm getting more done than I normally get done. And there's actually research that lines up with this, that people having four day work weeks um, in many cases actually causes them to be more productive because they're really energized and looking forward to up to that day off. So there were a lot of just little things uh, that we did. I'm doing an experiment right now um, around what I call phone space. <laughs> so mm. if you think mm-hmm. about like in a kind of a joking sort of way, you think about a relationship where you feel smothered, where you feel like, okay, the person's always there. They're always needy. They're always showing me stuff. Like, you know, you might just say, I need a little space. This is how I feel about my phone. There is always something I could pick up my phone and do. And my phone is always calling on me. It's always sending me a notification. Yes. Right? And so, you, you crazy phone, you crazy phone. I need some space. So the phone, yes. the phone space experiment is based on the research that shows that 95% of us have our phone within arm's length, 24 hours mm. a day. 
It's either on our desk, it's right next to us in the car, it's on the nightstand. So if we wake up, we can mm -hmm. actually just pick it up. We say it's because we want to see what time it is, but we all know when we pick up the time and now there are notifications, then we go and we do something else. So just the act of putting your phone somewhere that you have to get up to go get it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. decreases those urges. This has been a great experiment. I love it. I love this. Yeah, I I, I love it too because I, I noticed, I, so I'm someone who tends toward anxiety and have since I was a little girl. And having my phone next to my bed, I do exactly what you just said. And so I too have had to not have it in the room. Like, let's just charge it elsewhere because otherwise laying in bed, I'm like, oh, oh, yummy, yummy. It's the morning. I pick it up, like you said, for the time. And then I'm, you know, six feet under mm -hmm. and it's never bringing me joy. Yeah. You know, I have this perception that it will bring me joy, but the, the scrolling and the looking through the emails while laying in bed does not bring joy. It and doesn't. so- yeah, it and then doesn't. it brings guilt sometimes because you meant to be doing something else. And what we really need to do with this phone thing is the phone addiction is, it's really pervasive. I mean, mm -hmm. there are a few of us that haven't had that experience of grabbing the phone for no reason at all or filling withdrawals when we don't have our phone with us. And, and one of the things I talk about is we have to, when we're feeling those cravings, sometimes you have to stop and say, what am I really craving right now? Mm. often what we're craving is connection. Well, what other way could I get it? You know, right. could I go have an actual conversation face to face with someone? Could I, maybe instead right. of texting, I could still use my phone, but maybe I could pick it up and actually call somebody. Remember when we mm -hmm. used to do that? <laughs> right. Isn't, it cra Isn't it crazy? This thing is right next to us all the time. We used to have to walk into the one room that had the phone, right? It was on the wall in the kitchen and it was nailed to the wall. So, and the cord only went so far and there was one of them in the whole household, right? I remember that time. I guess aging myself here. And and here we're like obsessed with it constantly and really looking at looking at all of this and saying, well, what's healthy for me and what's not? Mm -hmm. Right. Now, I want to go back because here you are, you are a successful businesswoman. You've written 12, I think, books at this point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so my rock star. You <laughs> have three children, right? And have that invisible load that we talked about all the things. So any woman who's out there and listening to this is like, well, that sounds nice, but I, I've got soccer to go to. I've got to get dinner on the table. I've got homework to do. I've got to get baths. Like how, how do, how do we, is it a mindset shift? Is it a, an actual time shift? Do we have to learn to say no more? What we have to do is decide what is meaningful to us in this season. And a lot of times we don't, season. we don't prune away things that are from old seasons. We also mm -hmm. are often very influenced by what everyone else is doing because it's now the norm. Your kids, are they getting what you want for them out of all of these extracurricular activities? You know, a lot of the research, even around grit shows you want uh, a child to do something for at least two years and they should begin progressing in some way in what they are doing, what they are learning, because that's what really helps them to grow. That helps them to really dig in and stick with something. But do they need to be doing two or three different things? Or is this a season where maybe you're not going to be doing anything? Maybe the focus mm. is going to be on connecting at home, or maybe, you know, you're in a season where you're trying to develop more stability for your kids. 
we have, and sometimes we're in a season where we need to ask for help. Some yeah. of these decisions. Or, or care for ourselves. That's right? right. This is, you know, I, I tend to go on this cycle where I over-program, I get over-busy, and then I'll get sick. And then I'm like, okay, okay, this, I'm done now. That pattern is over. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to slow it down. I'm good at saying no. And then it's not that much longer. And then I go back to, and I'm, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so busy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that we, we, I love what you said that it's about a season and some seasons are like just self-care. A client was just telling me that this morning that she feels like the most important thing for her family right now and for her work, she's applying to grad school, applying for a new job, and she has a child. So she's a busy woman, right? She said, the most important thing is focusing on my health right now. Yeah. That I am my healthiest self, that I'm actually eating the foods that are good for me, that I'm walking. And so being able it's so tempting, right, Val? There's so much coming at us. It's so tempting to do something else. But I love what you're saying, really, what's meaningful. What is meaningful? So this isn't just about, you know, so there are some seasons where there are things you can't drop, right? You, it is what it is. But even in the midst of those seasons, what could you do that would be meaningful? How do you want to mm. show up in those seasons of your life? It's important to have key markers in your vision that allow you to know that you're living your life in a way that holds meaning and is not just about addressing all those false urgencies. So for example, one of our key markers now, one of the things that happened out of writing this book and doing our experiments is we ended up moving. We only moved a few miles away, but we moved to a place that really was kind of a dreamy for both of us. It's a horse farm. My husband grew up with horses. Um, and I now have a garden, which I've been talking about pretty much my whole adult life. And it, it, it really makes me feel grounded because as a child, I spent all my summers with my grandparents in South Carolina. My grandmother had a huge garden. She had chickens and she, I mean, I would be out there in the garden with her. I had not learned how to garden, but my husband, having grown up hmm. spending his summers on his family's dairy farm, he knows all about farming. So we've been mm. growing vegetables. That's meaningful mm, for yummy. me. We mm -hmm. have we see sunsets from our front porch that points west. The sunsets are amazing. And so that mm. is a ritual for us that we stop and look at the sunset. And now even the kids stop and look at the sunset when we've forgotten they remind us it's time to stop and look at the sunset. That doesn't take much time. As you know, when the sun's going down, when you catch it, you only have a few minutes to see the most right. glorious part of it. But that's a right. key marker. If I know that I was able to stop, go outside, or even if it's cold, look out the window and watch that sunset, that's meaningful. For these, three minutes. Yeah. Yes. Th these are memories. I, reading that, that story. Yes, reading that story about your four-year-old saying, Mommy, it's time to watch the sunset yes. in your book. I mean, it was just like I had chills in my whole body reading this that you have created, right? It's creating the rituals. The, the slowing down is the cre creating the rituals that are going to hold as meaningful and memories for the rest of your lives. Yeah. And that this is what the kids will really remember, not the that you ran around, that you, right? It was like, we watched the sunset, right? 
Now, one of the things I was really inspired by, you talk about how you and your husband on your honeymoon set a vision for your life. Yes. And this is this is really what it comes down to, right? We're in this like crazy, crazy, crazy craziness. Um, but if we have a vision, if we could stop for a moment today, tomorrow, this weekend, and really get clear on five years from now, 10 years from now, or I like to tell my clients, when you're 80, what do you want to be able to say about yourself as you make a toast to your 80th birthday party? Right? It's like, so that you can actually create the vision and then you can have those markers to say, are we hitting it or not? And if not, am I hitting it or not? Then come back. Mm. So I was really inspired by you creating that vision. That's a way of life. Yeah. We talked a lot on our honeymoon about what we were wanting to create and what we want our lives to be. And we wrote on little scraps of paper from like the, the resort notebook, <laughs> little notepads in the hotel. Yes. Oh, we never transferred it to anything. They're, they're still in our bedroom, just a few little pieces of paper. But one of the things that we said is that we wanted to create a unique experience and an adventure for our family. And that mm. really guides us. I mean, when we were frustrated with ourselves because it was the end of May and we hadn't figured out vacation, which is hard Mm -hmm. for a pilot because, you know, a lot more flights in the summertime, taking everyone else on vacation. It's hard to get vacation. Right. But we were like, what would be an adventure? Mm. And I had always wanted to go to Italy and I had not been. And my husband is working on a children's book about two Italian mice uh, in search of the Island of Parmesan cheese and yes. so we thought, you know what, we'll <laughs> oh, yes. tell the kids that, you know, we're going to Italy, but we, we're doing research here. <laughs> we, we got we to gotta research what's <laughs> going to happen in this children's book. Um, and that's adventure for us. And we actually spent like one, one of the nights when we went to Rome, we actually roamed the streets. Like, what would they be doing? And believe Ooh. it or not, this is amazing. We were going through this alley. And it was almost, I called it a God wink because we looked out the ground and there, there was a little hole in this ancient like stone building and someone, it would look like a mouse hole, which I don't mm. like rice, but it was a mouse hole. Someone had dripped, someone had uh, drawn a picture of Tom and Jerry and it was like pointing, it was an arrow pointing like this is a mouse hole. And we took that as like confirmation, keep working on this children's book. But we approach yes. things as adventure. Sometimes we don't have a week or two weeks, but we will take what time we have and say, let's go on an adventure. Let's use these travel privileges and all of my miles. We did that a couple months ago. We took a trip to Paris and it was only a four day trip, but we're like, right. let's go on this adventure. So when we moved, we're going to go. Yeah. When we moved to the, to the farm, it was an adventure. And the fact that we had a vision told us, well, you know what? Our home now is part of the adventure and we mm-hmm. approach it in that way. So have a vision for what it is that you want and it guides you it gives meaning so when we were trying to make that decision do we move do we not move it's like but the life that we've said we want is a unique experience and it's an adventure and this is nothing if not a unique experience (laughs) 
Absolutely. I mean, now you have, because you have horses, right? And you have a landing strip. And yeah. I mean, so, because your husband's a pilot. So yeah. And, and now you have what, what a unique adventure to do the nightly sunset yeah. ritual, right? Yeah. So, so I love this having a vision and then continuously working for it. And, and you talk about this in your book. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It we don't, you don't have to go to Paris or Italy, no. right? An adventure. And those are Val's words, right? So for you, it's a unique adventure for someone else. It could be serenity might be your vision and whatever it is. And you can, you can do that as a staycation. You can do that for a day at home for, you know, the five minutes of a day and bring yourself back. The staycation was a part of our experiments. I mean, we did, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, let's take some time to, what do we need? We're going to go for a hike or we're not going to do anything at all. I mean, if you've thought about like me growing the vegetables, I do that with the Mm. kids. Like, and it's so fun for them to see things grow and how that works. I mean, it's the simple stuff. It is, can you be in the moment I mean, don't beat yourself up because you weren't all day, but did you have a moment today where you looked that person that's important to you in the eye and you put all the electronics away? Could you have dinner tonight and not have to watch TV and scroll Facebook or Instagram while you're doing it? Could you just savor the meal that you're having? Sometimes, you know, in life, we end up having to do things we wouldn't have wanted to do. I talk in the book about, you know, my mother having a brain aneurysm and I, you know, I was 28 at the time. And the key marker there was just doing what needed to be done in that mm. season of life and letting mm. go of all the goals I had at that time, because there was no way to accomplish those during that mm-hmm. season, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Like there are times when things happen that you would not like to see happen. But the question is, what is meaningful? Then what will you wish you had done looking back? Whatever your answer is, do that thing. And then Mm -hmm. for the big stuff, don't miss it. You know, like I said, we, you know, my, my husband's a pilot, so we can fly places. So don't take that for granted do it. There are Mm -hmm. things that you have at your disposal that you might take for granted that you could do fun stuff with that would create great memories. Do that. Don't keep putting it off and saying, yeah, one day we're going to do X, Y, Z, you know, do it now, now while you can do it now. You know, this is all so profound and so important because, you know, for me, it took being robbed at gunpoint, right? There had to be a gun at my head in order to actually like pursue my dreams. And that's Mm. really what woke me up and, you know, a dear friend of mine, she was talking, I want to go to Italy. I want to go to Italy. I want to go to Italy. And I said, so go. Oh, my husband doesn't want to go. He doesn't like to fly. Okay, well, how else can you go? Okay, well, there's there's a friend of mine wants to go and a church. I'll wait for the church group to go. And I kept telling her, don't go. Uh, don't wait. And um, she actually ended up having a stroke. Mm. And she's doing great now. But she was in a coma for, I think, about six weeks. And it was like, yes. we just have to remember and it's easier to remember while you're listening to this podcast than it is in the daily life. But the more we can do these experiments that you describe, Val, right? Because you so well talk about it in your book that there are all these vulnerabilities that kind of take us out of the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like the perfectionism or wanting to be an overachiever, or feeling like you've got to be over-responsible. I mean, the guilt, yeah. those will always be there. The 
tendency, the pull for those will, will, yeah. will be there. And we get to pull ourselves to back to this moment mm-hmm. and what would be meaningful today. Absolutely. And it's a choice. That's why I talk about it's the art of choosing the meaningful over the urgent. The most basic question you can ask yourself when you're making decisions about how to spend your time, when you're feeling really pulled this today, while you're listening to this, this might be a day where you just feel like I have so much to do. I have so much to do. Look at what you have to do and ask, is this meaningful or is it urgent? When I talk about the urgent, mm-hmm. I'm talking about the false urgencies. It feels important right now. But if you really stopped and thought about it, it's not that meaningful. It can wait or somebody else can do it or you don't have to do it at all. Yeah, I'm always thinking there's never enough time to get it all done and somehow it always all gets done. Yeah. Like, <laughs> isn't that funny? you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, your family does not have dirty underwear, I don't think. You know, it's like you're, you, you have, you, you're having a meal uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably having a meal, even if it's a peanut butter je- and jelly sandwich. So it's like it never gets done and it always gets done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I love this. And Val, you are the queen of knowing what will make women successful and happy. <laughs> your books have, oh, absolutely, girlfriend. I mean, uh, your books have absolutely changed me. Being a friend of yours has has changed me. I mean, you are the one who got me to finish my book proposal. You are the yes. I mean, just brilliant does not even begin to cover. So Val, you're, it's in the show notes. The book is called It's About Time. Yes. And um, of course, there are links to a couple of other Val's books that I happen to love. So one of the things I love to do, Val, with all my guests on the Purpose Girl podcast is to do what I call a purpose power play round. And this is when I ask you a couple of random questions and whatever is the first thing that comes to your mind is the right answer. Okay. <laughs> Are you down for play? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to do great. You're going to do great. You're going to do great. Okay. When you were a little girl, what did you say you wanted to be when you grew up? At first, I said I wanted to be a doctor when I was like five or six. And then as a teenager, I was going to be an international corporate attorney. <laughs> oh, Interesting. Do you have any recollection of what those were about for you? Well, the doctor was just, you know, I was a a very young kid. So I just thought that sounded interesting. International corporate attorney was I when I was growing up when I was uh, in second grade, we moved to Germany. And Mm. that kind of sparked my interest in other people and cultures. And I continued to learn German. And then I learned Spanish. And so I had this fascination with languages. And I always liked asking questions and digging in for more information. And law seemed like something where I could do that. I still ended up doing it, right? Journalism, um, coaching. <laughs> it's all about questions. Yeah. It was just a different different manifestation of that. So, yeah. Exactly. That's why I love asking this question because, you know, a doctor is a healer, mm-hmm. right? Someone who's helping others. And that is what you do as a coach and as an author and as a speaker. And then... The international. I mean, you you fly all over the world to, you know, really support people. Well, I never and really so thought I, about it like that. I thought it ended with my international affairs degree that I never used. <laughs> <laughs> I always think that our younger self had, I mean, had so much wisdom, and it might not look like the exact same package, but I always think that there's a little, <laughs> little, little bit of something in there, I think right? You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Second question. You've been to Italy. Where else do you want to go? 
I have been to some places that are really great. My most profound trip was to Israel. Um, I would like to go, I did my, I did my DNA tests a couple years ago and getting the results was very emotional. I didn't mm. expect it to be as emotional as I was because as an African-American, most of us don't know what country or countries we are from. And <clears throat> of course, taking the test, they don't ask you anything about your background. So it was fascinating when the results came back, just as I would have uh, expected um, for the West Coast of Africa and Great Britain and Ireland, which is what I had been able to uh, to trace. So I um, would like to visit Ghana and the Ivory Coast and um, a couple of the other countries that are uh, strong in my DNA. I, I would like to see where my ancestors walked and and where they came from. I, I got to visit South Africa a couple of years ago, and I'll be speaking there again this year, but I haven't been to the West Coast of Africa. I think that would be a very profound experience. Yeah, that's going to be powerful. I can yeah. feel it in my whole body yeah. as you speak about <laughs> it. I can feel it. How incredible that we can go back to our roots now. How incredible Isn't that we the- can learn that. Oh, it's, I like haven't done DNA it yet. I, I'm, to us like that. <laughs> yeah. And it does. It does. That's so beautiful. I'd like to make a similar journey to Vienna where my grandparents were before the mm. Holocaust. Mm. So I, I feel that in, in every cell. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I'm looking forward to that one day. I think it'll, it'll be a very interesting experience. Mm, absolutely. All right. Third question. Okay. What do you want every woman alive to know? that she was she's not here by accident no matter how she got here that her Mm -hmm. experiences even the negative ones can shape the purpose that she is uniquely designed for Mm -hmm. i believe our jobs our biggest job is to find that purpose and get about the business of living that purpose. I mean, you can, you can rack up all sorts of achievements in life, but who wants to get to the end and look back and realize that they didn't accomplish the mission they were created for. You're here for a reason. Find that thing (laughs) and make the impact that you're created for. And, And that's, I think that's where we find fulfillment and meaning and you know, Karen, you were, you started out talking about your your fertility journey, and you know we've both had those same challenges. And I can say, I don't even, I don't, I don't cry that I, I haven't had biological children, because I truly believe that our three kids are the three kids I'm meant to be the parent to. Hmm. I'm amazed at the ways in which I know my son is, he is, he is who I, I'm supposed to be his mom. Mm-hmm. How he came to us, when he came to us, his, I mean, it's just, and so even in things that feel really um, stressful, I, in the book, I talk about making peace with lost time, mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. compassion for ourselves and forgiving ourselves for choices we made. And yet I'm like, but all of that, if I hadn't gone through you know, those six years and been divorced and I, then I, I wouldn't have Sophie and Addie and Alex. I wouldn't have Jeff. It's all good. So yeah. look for the purpose in the, in the 
even in the painful things, because it's there. Mm. Pain to purpose. <laughs> Girlfriends. Yeah. Purpose girls, you hear me talk about that. You can all tell why I freaking love this woman so much. Oh, Karen. Valerie Burton, <laughs> you are a shining light. You, you radiate and you've profoundly changed my life. Now I know you've profoundly changed my listeners' lives. I'm so, so, so grateful. People can find you at ValerieBurton.com. And of course, we have it in the show notes. And her book, your book, It's About Time. You want to make sure you're heading over to Amazon and getting that. It's so exciting. Anything else you want to make sure that our listeners know and how to find you? Well, that you're an you're not only an incredible woman, but you're a pretty incredible podcast host. <laughs> this has been a great mm. conversation. And, you know, you mentioned the CAP Institute. We train coaches. So anybody that's kind of in that realm, especially positive psychology-based coaching, you can you can find that at ValerieBurton.com or at CAPInstitute.com. We've had so much fun training. I think people from 15 countries in every state in the U.S. at this point, which is amazing to me. Um, but I love wow. being able to multiply that work that I do mm -hmm. by helping mm -hmm. others learn how to how to coach and how to do that work as well. Brilliant, brilliant. So all of that in the show notes. Valerie, thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the Purpose Girl podcast. And for all of you out there, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. We hope you loved this episode. And if you did, then please go over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave us a five-star review tell me what it is that you love about the Purpose Girl podcast. You know I read a review every other week, so I may just read yours. I love your questions. Go over to PurposeGirl.com. Download your free Living on Purpose guide if you have not yet. Get my weekly newsletter so that you get the jolt, the boost of positivity coming to you. If you have not yet joined the free Purpose Girls Facebook group, go ahead and do that now. Several times a week, my team and I, we post featuring members. We post motivational Mondays. We post ways for you to brag about your accomplishments, ways for you to further live your purpose. So you want to make sure you are joining that free Facebook group. Also, you know, every so often I do a Q&A show. I love answering your questions and coaching you directly. So make sure you get those questions into purposegirl.com forward slash voicemail. Most important thing you can do is to share this podcast. Share the Purpose Girl podcast with every woman you know. Every woman who is struggling with busyness needs to hear this. Every woman in your office, make a little like book club around it, right? Make sure you are giving this to your mother, to your sisters, to every woman you know. Because what we're doing here at Purpose Girl is we are changing the world one woman at a time. Thank you again for listening. May you live purposefully. May you love yourself. And may you love life. Bye for now. <laughs>